Welcome to the Scalar Learning Podcast, your central hub for all things related to education. Join us every episode for the most up-to-date tips and strategies on how to maximize student potential. Sit back, listen, and enjoy. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Scalar Learning Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Huzefa. And it's great to be back. Again, we are restarting the podcast after a brief hiatus, and I'm so excited about that. And if you're coming back and joining us again, the new schedule is episodes are going to drop every Monday. So make sure to check back every Monday for new episodes on all sorts of education-related topics and cool interviews. And we got a, uh, a bunch of really great stuff in the upcoming future. Great episodes for anybody who's looking to increase their abilities as a teacher or parents looking to infuse their children's academic curriculum with some extra spice and some good tips and test preparation. All that good stuff is going to be coming your way. So make sure to constantly be checking back for new episodes. Today, what we're talking about or what I'm talking about all by myself, in all my lonesome, is something a conference that I went to just this last week. I just got back last night from the conference, and it was in San Antonio. And this is a conference that I've been wanting to attend ever since I started my company back in 2013. And it was the NCTM Annual Conference. And what is NCTM? For those of you who don't know what NCTM stands for, it stands for the National Council for Mathematics Teachers, NC, or sorry, the National Council for Teachers of Mathematics. And it's basically the biggest math teacher organization around. I mean, this is, this is the place to be if you are really pushing for excellence and trying to be the best math teacher possible. It's, it's just like a huge, it's the big annual meeting. There were 9,000 people there. It was so cool. And it was again in San Antonio. And I couldn't wait to go because I wanted to see all the things that I could learn. And again, I'm not a trained teacher per se in the sense that I never, I don't have a degree in education. And if you guys have been listening and you know my background, my background's quite different. It's in computer science and economics for undergrad. And then I have a law degree from Northwestern. And I, I was a practicing attorney before I began this adventure in education. I came, I got into education just because I felt that I had some sort of a natural ability, a natural affinity for teaching mathematics in particular. And I, that has been reaffirmed over the last few years of, as I've been working with a plethora of kids in all sorts of different math disciplines. But at the end of the day, this is something that I feel is beneficial for me to go and to see what's up from these trained professionals, see people lecturing, talking about different strategies, just so I can continue to build what's in my arsenal when it comes to dealing with all sorts of different types of learning styles or abilities and so on and so forth. And now in this last year, teaching in a classroom setting, that's, that has a whole new set of challenges. So I'm trying to learn as much as I can, as fast as I can. And this was, I got to tell you, this was an unbelievable conference. This is probably, I was telling one of my buddies this the other day, there are two conferences in the last few years that I've been to that have been truly, uh, I'd say inspirational, but also where I learned so much that I was immediately ready to apply. And that was this conference, the NCTM annual conference. And the other conference was the Udemy conference. It was called Udemy Live. I went to last summer and that was all about video courses and, and trying to develop online education curriculum 
effectively, how to grow that base of students, so on and so forth. That was also, I learned a ton at that conference from chatting with people, from going to seminars, et cetera. So this was great. So I'm going to go ahead now and give you guys kind of my breakdown of all the different things that were really impactful for me and the things that I took away from it and that I plan to apply uh, going forward. Okay, so we're going to start back. So the conference began, it technically began on Wednesday with a kind of uh, opening ceremony and things like that, but the real lectures really began Thursday morning, and I got in Wednesday night. So Thursday morning is when I started attending conferences. Now, I remember the I, I'm really interested in basically applying technology and different ways to apply technology. So let me start with, the. I remember the first lecture that I went to, it, it, it said it was about technology integration and helping kids understand mathematics. And actually, they there were even some complaints. I mean, it was a fine presentation, but they didn't dive into the technology. So they sort of spoke around it. And it wasn't, it wasn't super valuable for me. But the one that was amazing, I'm going to kind of jump ahead a little bit. This, I think, was the third seminar that I attended. It was called... You well, let me see. Seven ways rockstar math teachers use YouTube. Okay, it was a really cool title. And let me see what was what was the her name again? Ten, uh, yeah, Mrs. Blanchette is her name, and she's she's got a YouTube channel. She's got a blog, but her I believe it's Tanash Blanchette. And I even dropped her an email after saying what an awesome speech she gave. So her uh, seminar, it was a half an hour seminar, super short. Now Miss. Miss Blanchette, Mrs. Blanchette lectures all over the world. Uh, she's a Google certified teacher, educator, and she's really inspirational because she, man, she was amazing, has amazing stage presence and is an amazing presenter. And then also she's kind of like, she's oozing with passion, which is definitely the case for a lot of the presenters that, that I met and spoke with. And she talked about how to use YouTube effectively and she teaches higher level mathematics, I think like algebra two, pre-calculus, I think maybe even calculus, but all high school level math. And really what her seminar was about was how she uses YouTube to make, they, they make math music videos. So of course, if you guys know anything about my company and what my YouTube channel, I do that. I make math music videos and it's probably my favorite thing to do. Like I love it. I love making the songs, I love shooting the videos, I love editing the videos, and I love seeing the response from people. So I really, really enjoy that entire process. And she gave an entire presentation on how she does it and how she engages all these kids, how it's just charging up the school with enthusiasm and excitement. And not only that, how the platform of video, especially getting the kids involved, how it really pushes them to understand and master these concepts without having to do... She made this very interesting point. She said, usually what we have to do to get kids, let's say, to understand Pythagorean's theorem, for example, is we have them do a slew of practice problems. So we start at the beginning, and let's say first we, we explain the formula, which is A squared plus B squared equals C squared for three sides of a right triangle. And then we give practice problems where, for example... They know A and B, and they're trying to find C. So we do one, two, three, four practice problems in, with that setup. Then we give another variation. Now we know A and C, and we have to find B. Uh, and then we give a bunch of variations of that. And so it's like you basically drill down all these different scenarios of practice problems, and then they learn it. Her argument is, which I actually totally believe as well, 
and I, I can say this from my own experience in creating video courses, her argument is that if you actually engage children to make, whether it's math music videos or, or video tutorials to explain a concept, that process of forcing them to make this video and put on this explanation, it pushes them to have to understand this concept so thoroughly themselves that you don't actually need this slew of practice problems. Maybe one or two examples that they walk through and explain and boom, they've got it and it sticks. So I thought this was really, really cool. But but the math music video stuff was amazing because I also got to see her process. I got to see how she engages her kids. And she, unlike me, she actually has her kids rapping on the videos that has different teachers. For me, it's kind of like my little music creation, my little music baby. I'm a bit particular about it, but I think that's a great idea that she put in my mind was to collaborate more with my students in the whole creation process so I can get more engagement and really have more fun. Another really cool seminar that I went to, which was called Animate, Illustrate, Captivate, Create Mathematics Concept Videos with Digital Tools. And this was by a teacher named Mary Kemper. And she also has a blog. She's also super involved in presenting and doing all these amazing things. I think she goes by the name of Mrs. Kemper. And in the show notes, I'm definitely going to include all this information so you can check out the links to these different math rock star math teachers so she gave a presentation that was very memorable for me as well and it's literally all these these simple ways by which you can figure out how to make math animations to have more engagement again with your students but not only to have more math engagement so what what she showed was she gave a typical example of basically using multiplication to answer word problems. And if I remember correctly, the example was as, as follows. There's a restaurant with, four, with tables, and at each table, there's four chairs. And it gave this sort of diagram in the book that was a bit ambiguous. And then she said, for every table, of, for every table she makes $6.50 per customer, something like that. And the question was, Roughly, again, I'm sort of, this is generally the idea. If she has three tables full of customers, how much money does she make? So the idea is you have to figure out that with three tables, four customers per table, that's 12 um, people total, and you make $6.50, so on and so forth. So you multiply 12 by 650, let's see, 72, 6, 78. So you make like 78 bucks. But how do you arrive at that? The question, the way to do it is you figure out, how to multiply. You're like, okay, four or three tables, four people at each table. So I have 12 people. Now I take that 12 and I'm each person, I'm making $6.50, so on and so forth. But this is for younger students who are really trying to visualize what's happening with multiplication when we're increasing groups of, you know, by groups of four, three times. And her point was that just this diagram could be very confusing depending on how kids interpret it. But instead, if you change it to an animation where we're showing people being almost like seated in fours at these tables, it becomes a whole nother story. It's, it's way easier for anybody to kind of look at that using the same symbols, circles representing the, the chairs and squares representing the, representing the tables. But once you put motion into it, it starts to make sense. And this was a really powerful point, and I try and do this too as well, often with, with my videos where I'm, I'm writing on the board, I try and draw diagrams, or if in a lot of my critical concept videos in my courses, I use sort of like a, not a very advanced type of animation, but just using 
final cut in combination with uh, slides and fading, and I can make sort of basic types of animation. But her point was, when you do this, suddenly the concepts are so much easier to grasp and really figure out at a fundamental level. And I remember the, the two software, the, the two things that she recommended to make these animations, one was Keynote, and the other one was Explain Everything. Now we use Explain Everything at my school where I teach sixth grade. But the keynote was interesting, and I didn't, it's it's something called Magic Move, Keynote Magic Move. Now, this is really cool. Basically, it's it's great because of how simple it is. Like, I'm toying around with, with a program called Animate, or sorry, Motion, excuse me. It's called Apple Motion, uh, not to be confused with iMotion, but Apple Motion is a pretty sophisticated animation software that, I mean, I'm trying to get really next level sort of uh, animations going, but it's not easy. And it's taken me time to learn and toy around with it. I'm sure I'll figure it out, but it's not going to happen in a day or two. But for very simplistic animations that look really nice, you can use Keynote Magic Move where all you do, all, she, all you do is you basically make one slide, make another slide where the objects in the first slide are sort of moved into new locations. Okay, so let's say you have a bunch of circles in the first slide, and the next slide they've moved to a new position, but it's the same objects. You just hit magic move, okay, and boom, it from the slide to the next, it applies this automatic animation moving those, those circles from one spot to the other. It's, it's that simple. So I thought that was so cool. Keynote's not an expensive program. You can buy it for $10 in the App Store. And I'm going to try it. I want to start using that right away, even in my videos or with my class to make cool little simple animations. So it's stuff like that where it's simple to implement and can have a really profound effect that made that presentation and made that seminar so engaging and valuable. And the last seminar that I want to talk about probably was the most impactful for me, even though it was unexpectedly impactful. So what I mean by that is I was really shooting to gain as much as I could on, on the technology side as far as different things that people were using in that area that I could integrate myself. But I saw this really cool title and it was called, Oh, the places you'll go, go, or will you an adventure and probability that keeps on going. And I thought that sounded interesting because I'm about to teach probability or the basics of probability to my sixth grade class. So on a hunch, I went to this seminar, and it was by a gentleman named Ralph Pantozzi from Kent Place School. And I went to it, I checked it out, and it was, the entire seminar was the, all the teachers engaging in an activity. And what was that activity? It was just like, a, it was just like he had his classes do, where we did this experiment where we flipped pennies and to, to sort of understand probability. Okay. But it wasn't just flip. Okay, so here, here's how it started. I'm going to try and explain it to you guys because I'm going to use a version of this with my class. I thought it was so cool. So first he has somebody come up and you flip a coin a number of times. So somebody flips and then this other person stands there. Every time you get a head, the guy gets a heads, the woman has to step forward. Every time you get a tail, she has to step backwards. And you just keep going over, 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 over. And what we noticed in this particular example is she roughly stayed where she was. And I think you would probably expect that, right? Like that's generally what's going to probably happen, right? 50-50 odds, you're going to get heads or tails. So it should approximately balance out as you go more and more and more. 
more and more times. But as he mentioned later, that doesn't always happen, and that's part of the fun too. Sometimes people end up taking five or six steps forward, you know, because you're only doing it a set number of times. And, and that throws some variation, variability into the experiment. And then the other cool part that happens is students inevitably get a bunch of questions about this as we're doing it. So you engage the students, say, hey, well, so what do you, what questions do you have? Like, what do you think would have happened if we would have done it a hundred times, a thousand times? What does this say about flipping a coin and how likely you are to get heads or tails? So on and so forth. And so you really let a portion of it be driven by student questions. Then he did something really cool. He had us all, there were like 50 of us in this lecture. He had us all take out a coin, flip it six times. We flipped it six times. We recorded the sequence that we got. And I remember I got two heads and four tails. Then we all went outside. We stood in this big, long long line. Okay. And he said, okay, for flip one, if you got heads, take a step forward. If you got tails, take a step backwards. Okay. For flip two, if you got heads, take a step forward. Tails, take a step backwards. So on and so forth. And what you see is, let's say you assign plus one for heads, minus one for tails. What you see is a distribution as follows. If you got six heads, you basically have a score of plus six, right? You take six steps forward. If you had five heads and one tail, you take five steps forwards, one step back, plus five, minus one, you'd have a score of four. So we saw this distribution of six, four, cumulative score of two, zero, where you'd get three heads, three tails, negative two, right, four tails and two heads, Um, negative four, five tails and one head, and then negative six. You see this distribution. So everybody's on these different places on this sort of like imaginary line after this is all done. Then he had us all walk forward. This was the coolest part. And we all kind of come to a line at the front. So imagine if you can visualize this all these different lines of all the people on the positive two of the number line, all the people on the positive four. Now we all kind of like go and compress. And if you can visualize what I'm about, this this was the coolest part. Then you see the distribution of everybody who got zeros, everybody who got a two, who got four, who got six, who got negative two, negative four. And what does it make? It makes like a perfect bell curve. So it's like a perfect distribution of what you would expect based on probability, pretty much perfect, where you had the highest amount of zeros, then the next highest amount of positive twos and negative twos, then a lesser amount of negative fours and fours, and then six and negative six, you barely had any. I think we had no sixes and like one negative six or two negative sixes. And it was just, it was so cool. And then we went inside and he showed us when he did it with his class and they got the exact same thing. And then it led to another question of, then he asked a really interesting question. He said, what are the odds, what do you think the odds are that when you flip a coin like this, you're going to get to zero? Like your cumulative score will be zero. And we talked about that. He talked about what his kids predicted for that. And that's a really interesting question too, because what we figured out was it depends you know, it's not a static number. It depend, The probability that you'll come back to zero depends on how many times you're flipping the coin. And the probability drops as you flip it more and more. Uh, and, he, you know, but it, it's so cool because we kind of, we made guesses and then you can have your students go ahead and map it out in a very concrete way. So you really understand what probability is. You're not just applying a formula. And then eventually you learn the formula after you 
map it out in this way. But that was so cool to me because probability is a very real, tangible subject that I think kids have a great have a great chance to understand it in a very nice and applicable way if presented correctly. So that was that was a big one, a uh, big light bulb moment for me, and that was really cool. There were all sorts of other ones. The College Board was there, and they gave a presentation on the new SAT, which was useful. They even had an entire lecture on how to present at NCTM, which is something that I'd love to do in the future, and I'm definitely going to apply for that to talk about some of the things that I've been working on or been been doing uh, and just share what I've learned. So all in all, it was an amazing weekend. If you guys have any questions or comments about NCTM or want to know anything else about the things that I learned and things that I plan to apply, as always, you can email me at huzefa at scalarlearning.com. And the show notes, if you want to check out the show notes, go to www.scalarlearning.com and they will be there for you to peruse in your free time and read through the article posting that I will be sharing along with, with this podcast. Thank you guys so much for joining. Once again, new episodes every Monday, so make sure to check back for those. And I'm so excited to be back on doing this because I love it. It's a ton of fun, and I love connecting with people. So make sure to listen up and contact me if you guys have any questions. Thanks so much, and I'll see you guys next time. Take it easy. Yeah.